Hey everyone, welcome to episode 66 of the Switch Focus podcast. I'm your host, Andy Corrigan. Uh, we weren't actually going to be recording this last week, but then Nintendo threw out a Nindies Direct or a Nindies Showcase, uh, and we felt we should stitch together something. So so what you're going to hear now is like our top three highlights from the showcase. Um, but quickly, I'll just run through what everything that was announced, uh, and then we'll move on to our thoughts. So the first announcement was Cuphead for Switch, which is a a big thing because that was previously an Xbox One exclusive. Uh, that's coming in April. Overland was announced, which is uh, from the creators of Cannibal, a squad-focused turn-based strategy game uh, with a sort of journey to the west of the US hook to it. My Friend Pedro is coming in June, which is a console exclusive for the Switch. It's a stylish side-scrolling shooter. Uh, Neocab, which uh, looks like a story-based adventure, where you play one of the last manual cab drivers in an automated world. And there's a mystery, looks really interesting. Uh, the Red Lantern, which is coming later this year. A story-based game set around the uh, Iditarod sled race in Alaska. It's, looks like there's some survival elements, the hunting and, and actually partaking in the sledding. Uh, there's Darkwood, which is coming in May, which is a top-down, procedurally generated survival horror game with crafting and traps and that sort of thing. Then there's Katana Zero, a side-scrolling action game where you can manipulate time, has a, a Braid-style rewind mechanic. That's coming on April 18th. There's Rad, which is the new game from uh, Double Fine. That's coming in the summer. It's a roguelike action game set in an apocalyptic future where mutations are your power-ups, and it's got this big 80s vibe. Looked really interesting. Uh, then there's Creature in the Well, which is a top-down adventure game inspired by pinball, oddly. Weird mix of styles, something to keep an eye on. And uh, then there's Blood Roots, which is coming in the summer, which is a, a fast-paced top-down action game, which is all about the combat. Uh, Pine is coming in August, which is an open-world fantasy game. Looks a bit like a cartoony Skyrim. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that's a reductive statement on my part. I'm sure there's more to it than that. Then there was a Vlambeer info dump. Super Crate Box is coming out in April. A Nuclear Throne came out on the day of the showcase, which is a action roguelike set in a post-apocalyptic world where its inhabitants battle to become the leader. And then they announced a new Vlambeer game, which is Vlambeer Arcade. That's coming later this year, and it's actually a collection of smaller games that they say will grow over time. Uh, it's going to launch with a game called Ultra Bugs, which is like an arcade shooter where killing the boss enemies will give you their DNA so you can then upgrade the ship in the way you want. Uh, then there's Swim Sanity, which is coming in the summer. It's another side-scrolling shooter, but one that takes place underwater. has four-player co-op, one for you multiplayer fans there. Uh, Blaster Master Zero Two, that was released during the showcase. Uh, it's a vehicle-based retro-themed platformer cross-shooter. Uh, now has space segments, which is uh, one of the touted improvements over the original. Uh, then there's the Stranger Things 3 video game, which is coming out on July 4th to coincide with Season 3 of the show. It's an isometric game. Looks like you can play as a bunch of the characters, and it changes up the playstyle. Uh, so Hopper, for example, is a brawler, and one of the kids has ranged attacks. That's all I could really glean from the, the short glimpse. And then the surprise announcement was Cadence of Hyrule, Crypt of the Necrodancer featuring The Legend of Zelda, and that's coming in spring. So that's from the developers of Crypt of the Necrodancer, and sees their hero in Hyrule, and getting help from Link and Princess Zelda. Uh, so let's move on to our thoughts on our top three. 
Hello listeners, this is Andrew with my hot takes about the Nintendo Direct we watched last week. All in all, I did not see a single game here that I could not imagine myself one day playing, which means that this was probably not a great Direct for many other people, but I was completely satisfied with what I saw. But the three games I saw which most caught my eye, first was Darkwood. I'm always captivated by survival games, you know, just being thrown into an environment that you know nothing about and you have to find some way to rub two sticks together to create a gun so you can survive. You know, I uh, I have several of these kind of games on Switch already, but I love the idea, but I rarely actually love the final game. But I'm always down to play another one because I'm just on the lookout for a survival game that actually clicks with me. And I'm hoping that this will be one of those. It's got a nice horror aesthetic to it. And it's got that interesting top-down view where usually when you're playing a game it's top that's described as top-down, it's not top-down. It's like an angle so you can see the front of the character. This is actually directly top-down so you can really only see the top of your character's hat. He's wearing a pith helmet. So that gives it a an interesting visual style for your player character there. It also looks like it's set in Chernobyl, so there's an inspiration from Metro going on here, maybe. Maybe I'm drawing too much from that, but if you want to do a a semi-grounded nuclear holocaust, that's that's a popular setting to reach towards. So I don't know if that Darkwood is going to be tossed on the other pile of survival games that I wanted to like, but couldn't but i'm willing to give it a shot all the same okay the first one that i'm most looking forward to coming to switch is was the first announcement of the showcase which was cuphead uh this is an utterly gorgeous homage to classic cartoons from like 40s era uh right from its visual style its coloring and its music Uh, i always mentally think back to cuphead as being sort of a platformer but it's not it's more of a shmup uh struck bullet hill game and it is really, really difficult. It's all about memorizing enemy patterns, uh, which can also be randomized, and just learning how to deal with each type of situation on the fly. It's the sort of game where you will die a million times on a level before you get it, but then when you get it, it is just so satisfying. I did love this on Xbox One, but I fell off about halfway through, and it's one that going back to it partway through feels really daunting and like you just it's like a a mental hurdle i'm definitely going to revisit it from the beginning on switch uh the switch is a great home for this sort of game and i just also wanted to highlight just how weird it was for nintendo to be thanking microsoft who you know they invested heavily in this game for allowing them to bring it over to the switch and it's, it's sort of just the next step of that weird Nintendo Microsoft love-in that we're seeing growing more and more. Uh, The other thing to mention actually with that is that uh, Cuphead for Switch is going to have Xbox Live implementation, so you will be able to unlock the achievements for your Xbox account on the Nintendo version, which is a really sweet inclusion. Hello, this is Craig, the editor, chiptune composer, and rare guest on the show. There aren't many Xbox One exclusives that have really caught my eye or give me but Cuphead was absolutely at the top of that list, so I'm thrilled to see it coming to Switch. 
The visuals seem to be on par with the original, which makes sense as the creative flair came from the laborious hand-drawn animation rather than the pure horsepower of the Xbox One. It was a pretty surprising reveal, made more so in how quick that it'll appear on the eShop and how reasonable the price point is. This leads to big implications of Microsoft and Nintendo's now being even closer buddies, and we'll probably see more of Microsoft's offerings on Switch soon enough. I think for Microsoft, it makes sense and really opens a part of the market that they haven't been able to crack. In Japan, it's not unusual for Xbox One sales to struggle to make triple digits. No one has really had the chance to experience Cuphead in Japan. So for Microsoft, porting Xbox One titles to Switch could really breathe new life into older games, the same way Nintendo has done with Wii U games. Okay, NeoCab. So this one might be a bit of an esoteric pick, I suppose, but it really kind of reminds me of Red Strings Club. Like, I'm getting that really sort of same, like, Nordistopia vibe from this game. So for those that are unsure, NeoCab has been described as an emotional survival game about gig labor and tech disruption. So you're basically playing as, like, one of the last human taxi drivers in the world um, in the future whereby everything's run by AI and technology. So it looks like from the trailer, there's like the whole like shady corporations controlling human data, you know, AI trying to like delegitimize humanity and take over the world and blah, blah, blah. And it looks really cool. Like it looks like it's got a, its focus really is on you chatting to people and trying to figure out their problems as their cab driver and get them to one place safely and whatnot. And it kind of... I really enjoyed that microscopic focus on like interpersonal dialogue. Like that's why I love Subsurface Circular so much. I'm getting really, really, really good vibes from this game. I love a good narrative-based game. And um, the soundtrack apparently is being done by the people who did the soundtrack for Monument Valley. And I loved Monument Valley. So I think it looks good. I really, really like any game that has like a laser focus like this on a human connection. I find that really interesting. And like I said, it hits all my sort of like narrative data points. Love sci-fi, love dystopia, love noir. So I am pretty keen on this game. Okay, the next one on my list is My Friend Pedro. I really, really love the look of this one. Uh, This one sort of goes back to... Uh, my love for games back in like the PS2 era of Max Payne or later Stranglehold on the 360, uh, which is all about fast action shooting, uh, but with a mechanic where you can control time, slow it down, bullet time essentially, uh, do those fancy leaps, and and this game sort of takes those sensibilities from the those like third person shooters and applies them applies them to a side scroller it looks incredibly stylish allows you to leap spin use the environment to navigate jump off walls yeah in this one you're doing all this being led by a banana called pedro i don't understand the story but i'm i'm really intrigued to find out uh, and see how that all ties together pick two for me is creature in the well so this one gave me incredible hyper light drifter vibes i love that game so 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 incredibly much um you know i've bought it three times now probably at this rate each time and i just i love the environmental storytelling love the aesthetic um love the art style love the hack and slash combat and creature in the world looks like that plus pinball so normally i bounce hard off pinball like i've not touched a single bloody pinball game like i know andrew and andy have talked about this um andrew in particular seems to enjoy the pinball lifestyle which is great you know 
you know, you do you, Andrew, but that is not me. I don't care for it at all. But the way I think it's been incorporated here with sort of like, um, I suppose you consider it environmental triggers slash factors. It just kind of is like another way to add to what looks like already very fluid combat. So I'm really, really, really enjoying the idea of it. In execution, I could hate it. Like, disclaimer, I could very well hate this, <laughs> hate the way that every, every I don't know, projectile slash landmark becomes like a pinball paddle or pinball bumper. And like, you know, it could be terrible. Who knows? But watching it looked amazing. Um, I saw maybe about 10 minutes of gameplay footage uh, that was released, and that looked really, really cool as well. So um, I'm a sucker for the aesthetic. I'm sure it looks appropriately grimdark for my taste. And um, we'll see how the pinball stuff goes. I like it. do like it. So... Um, I enjoy what looks like incredible amounts of weapon variety, and I love a really, really good game with dungeons and puzzles and whatnot, and this looks to be that, so I'm pretty excited for it at this stage. Second game that I looked at that I was really intrigued by was The Red Lantern. Its premise reminded me strongly of Celeste, a game from last year which I loved very much. Uh, It's about a young woman who has something to prove to herself and to the world, so she sets out to accomplish something, uh, something difficult. And whereas in Celeste, Madeline would climb the mountain Celeste, in this game, the protagonist enters the Iditarod. And rather than being a platformer, this game looks like it's more story-driven. That's how it's built itself anyway. And... It's supposed to be drawing all the events that can happen to you from hundreds of possible different things. So, well, you know how that usually happens is you start repeating events pretty often and the game gets a little repetitive after a while. But it looks like it's got its heart in the right place. I'm really intrigued by its premise. I'm intrigued by its setting. And it might have more to it than it's just presenting itself in the Nintendo Direct. Uh, there might be some survival elements to it. They, they said there's hunting and things like that, but the depth of those systems was not really revealed. But I do enjoy a game that has a strong story, even if it's a randomly generated story. So I'm not counting on the plot being all that deep. You know, maybe just a, a series of random events, and if you get through them, congratulations you've helped this character accomplish something. You know, I could see that falling on its face, but I'm still intrigued. The Red Lantern will definitely be a day one purchase for me. I think the Red Lantern looks great, and one thing that really interests me about it is that it's a very personal story. It's not about saving the world. It's not even about being the best. It's just about trying to overcome something It's something that we don't really explore as much in games as we do the hero narrative. Now, one thing that does worry me in this game is I think I'm going to have the same anxiety that I feel playing Pikmin. I don't know why, but if you give me Mario to play as, I'll happily toss him into the abyss and think nothing nothing of it. But if you give me a character that is helping Mario, I will absolutely protect that character with my life. And if they die or something happens to it, I will feel very guilty and probably reload my save. This happened absolutely with Pikmin. Every time one of these little guys died, you'd hear the soft whimpering, kind of disappointed cry. You see the little ghost fly above and you'd feel awful. Even in the trailer, you see one of the dogs getting into a bit of a hairy situation with a bear. And that dog's just trying to protect you. 
I want to play it, but I know if I do, I'm going to get terrible anxiety over wanting to protect these dogs. And if these dogs do what they can to save me and get hurt in the process, I'm not going to have a good time. So let's see how that is. So I'm pretty sure we overlap on at least one of these, and I'm pretty sure I know which one we overlap on. And my brain is screaming at me and telling me the thing that we overlap on is Cadence of Hyrule. So for obvious reasons, all of us, huge Zelda nuts. Um, another obvious reason, I think pretty much all of us had good things to say about Crypt of the Necro Dancer. So I was the one that probably bounced off the game the most. Um, I love rhythm games, yes. Love roguelike games, also yes. But I think it came out a time where... You know, it was basically a saturated market. And I remember I tried it out and I thought, yeah, you know what? It's all right. But I bounced off and really came back to it. So I think out of the three of us, I might have played the least amount of Crypto the Necro Dancer. But conceptually, I enjoyed the idea. So honestly, I think what will really suck me back in this time is the whole Zelda aspect. Not going to lie. Like, <laughs> the Legend of Zelda aspect is pretty instrumental in selling me a cadence of Hyrule. Because I love rhythm games, you can tell, you know, I've talked about Voez so much. Every time someone says rhythm anything, I just go, you know what, Voez is on the Switch, and I've played way too much of that game, and unhealthy amount, and I always recommend it. And yeah, no, I'm very keen for cadence of Hyrule. Um, I really think that it looks incredibly exciting. I like that you can, it's like a proper crossover. You can play, obviously, the original character from Crypt of the Necrodancer, and obviously Zelda and Link. I just love everything RNG. Um, I think it's going to be great. I really kind of want to see whether or not this will pave the way for other properties, um, for Nintendo to collaborate with other famous properties like that to create these kind of crossovers that are largely, I suppose, independent of the Nintendo stick slash brand slash aesthetic. Because I really didn't think that I'd see um, Legend of Zelda in a game like this. So I am really, really happy that this has come about. And I think it bodes well. I think it will do well as well commercially so it could be the start of something new and beautiful so my list goes cadence of hyrule creature in the well and neocab a bit of a genre spread there but um yeah no i am really looking forward to those games i thought the showcase was great um obviously not everything there was my style but i think like the variety of games is increasing on the switch you know i know people will be really really pumped for stuff like cuphead that's already out on other places so I am kind of confident about the state of the Indies and the Switch going into this after the presentation. So yeah, it's going to be a good rest of 2019. The last one on my list was the last announcement, uh, Cadence of Hyrule. I haven't played the roguelike Crypt of the Necrodancer yet, because honestly I've been really happy with Quest of Dungeons, which I still jump into from time to time. And of course, more recently, Tangle Deep, which we talked about a few episodes back. Um, but at the time when Crypt of the Necrodancer came out, Andrew actually recommended it to me. Uh, he reckoned I would like it because it has a sort of a musical twist to it. And uh, yeah, because of this Zelda crossover and the, the remixed Zelda themes that they had going on it, I think I'm definitely going to pick this one up. I think this will be my my first uh, foray into the Crypt of the Necrodancer sort of format. And the big takeaway for this from me is it's amazing just how much... Nintendo are not only willing to work with other publishers, as we've we've seen with Microsoft, uh, but they're also letting other developers have fun with some of the most iconic properties. We started to see that towards the end of the Wii U with uh, Hyrule Warriors, and now we're seeing it extended to indie developers who are now 
able to use Link and Zelda in indie properties, basically. Um, it's sort of like a crazy, loving Nintendo. Uh, no one could have called an announcement like this, especially, you know, not a few years back, and I absolutely love it. I'm, I'm a lifelong Nintendo fan, and I think current Nintendo is my favourite Nintendo just because of their willingness to try weird and wacky things. It's absolutely outstanding. I have not played Crypt of the Necrodancer, but this Zelda crossover looks absolutely fantastic, and I think the trailer was wonderfully, wonderfully done. It gave you just enough hints to make you think something was going on, something bigger was going to be revealed. And then as they just started bringing in the Zelda theme, there was the moment where you thought, is this Zelda? They're not going to give an indie game Zelda. Oh, it's Zelda. So I think it was masterfully done. And if nothing else, I just enjoy watching this trailer over and over again. The music is great, which is what you need in a game like this where you are working with the rhythm. Uh, and I love the pixel art and the design of the bosses is ridiculous in the absolute best way. So if you look back on the trailer, it shows two or three bosses, but they all have instruments. So they have the knights with the guitars. One of them is a living xylophone. It's stupid in just the right ways. Uh, so I'm really, really looking forward to this one. And the last game was the game that just blew everybody away for coming completely out of nowhere. Something that we would never expect to see from Nintendo is working with an indie developer to create a new Zelda game with Cadence of Hyrule, which is a spinoff of Crypt of the Necrodancer. Crypt of the Necrodancer is a very difficult but very cool dungeon-crawling roguelike where you play as a young woman who falls into a crypt and has her heart stolen by this villain called the Necrodancer, and you have to pursue the Necrodancer down into the depths of the crypt to get her heart back, and the whole game is played in the beat of the music, and it's got a really pretty fantastic electronic music soundtrack that goes with it. It is played like many other dungeon crawlers, including A Quest of Dungeons, which was an early Switch release that Andy and I both enjoyed, and also Tangle Deep, which came out earlier this year, and all three of us, Andy, Ginny, and I all really enjoyed that one, and also Chocobo Mystery Dungeon, which just came out this past week, is also a dungeon crawler. It's played very much like those, but you also have to move and act in time with the music, and if you don't, then your score multiplier goes down, and your score multiplier is how you get lots of gold. And you need that gold to buy items, so that way you can defeat the more powerful monsters and survive all the way at the deepest levels of the dungeon. So if you can't play this game in rhythm, then you're not going to have a very good time. And that's where the difficulty comes in, because staying in rhythm and also killing enemies without getting killed yourself is very demanding. And there's a high level of skill needed to play this game on a level just just to beat it at the minimum level. There is a character called the Bard, which does remove the rhythm element of the game, and it took me a long time to begrudgingly play the game with the Bard just so I could finish it, and just so I could unlock things, so I could make playing with the other characters a little bit easier. 
So that's my concern going into Cadence of Hyrule, that it's going to draw too much from the Necrodancer side of things and not enough from the Zelda side of things. We have seen very little of this game. We don't really know anything about it except that it's a Necrodancer sequel starring Zelda characters. So we can't talk much about it. I certainly can't say definitively what it's going to be. But looking at the very few clips that we've seen, my guess would be is this is not a roguelike dungeon crawler. The things I was seeing in there, they looked like they were crafted. They looked like they were environments that were actually designed, whereas in most dungeon crawlers you play, they're just slapped together by procedural generation, and you can really tell because they don't have any personality or any thought put into their creation. They're just maps to be fully filled out by going down every hallway and opening every door. What we saw of Cadence of Hyrule did not look like that. I love Zelda music. I love rhythm games. I was really impressed by Crypt of the Necrodancer, even though I just I could not play it well enough to actually play it the way it should be played, I think would be the way I would put it. So I'm excited. Um, I just really do hope it draws more from the Zelda side of things. I hope it's a world to explore. It's an adventure to go on. It's things to discover, like new heart containers hidden in corners, not just not playing for a couple hours and hoping I get deep enough into a dungeon without dying to get enough diamonds so that way I can buy a heart container back up in the shop at the top of the dungeon. I really hope it doesn't work that way. I want it to be just a 16-bit era Zelda game that's played in rhythm with the music. I am completely on board with that. Just give it to me. And, you know, we've got games like Hyrule Warriors, which is another Zelda spinoff that absolutely nobody saw coming. And Hyrule Warriors is an amazing game. And, you know, I'm sure Nintendo didn't just give the Zelda license to this developer that I think Crypt of the Necrodancer is the only game this developer has actually made. I'm sure they didn't just give the license to this developer and just said, do what you will. I'm sure there was a lot of oversight. We we all know the stories of <laughs> what, what Retro went through making Metroid Prime. You know, I, I hope it wasn't as intense as that relationship was, but I do hope Nintendo put some oversight on it so that way this is a good Zelda game, not Crypt of the Necrodancer with a Zelda skin over it. Fingers crossed on that one. I'm really intrigued by it, and I hope I love it as much as I love most other Zelda games. And that's it. Thanks for listening to this Cobbled Together episode of the Switch Focus Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us to get notice. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast services. Be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively Switch Focus community. Follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at switchfocuspodcast.com for updates, news, and other content. Links are in the show notes. If you'd like to support the show, you can buy us a coffee. The details for that are on our website. Thanks in advance. Uh, and you can follow all of the panelists individually on Twitter. I'm at Flame Roast Toast. Andrew is at Play Critically, and Ginny is at Ginny Woes. And our special guest this week, Craig. Uh, he can be found at, at Craigity Craig or at Windmill at Dawn, which is his uh, music production name. Uh, he deals in chiptune, and he also does all the interludes for our show, so I highly recommend you give him a follow and check out his work. Finally, I'm almost out of this crypt. But this isn't the world I remember. 
At least this guy is familiar. And that pulsing rhythm. Wait. I think I was called here for a purpose. It looks like I've got work to do. And this time, I have help. iTunes. Go away, iTunes. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs>